they're going to be powerful. And of course, you know, six o'clock, there's anybody that, you know, that you know that uh, might be interested, invite them to the six o'clock. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, go ahead and start that. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, if you would, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, we'll get started there. You know, if you haven't, uh, no, uh, I'm sure you have. With everything going on in the world, especially in the past week or so, with uh, the fighting going on in the Middle East, and it's intensifying. Um, people are asking questions. They're starting to wake up, and they're realizing that, is this what the Bible's talking about? Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is not the time to, to move away from God. But uh, this is the time to draw closer to him because um, this is the day, these are the days that the Bible was talking about. And, you know, in, in the word of God, it, it said in the last days. And you have to understand, people will say, well, it's, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. No, 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 no. That's not what that word's saying. It, it says in the last days, and that word, that Greek word, the last days, actually describes the last moments of a day. So if 12 o'clock midnight was the end of the day, we would be talking about 11.59 and 45 seconds. So we've got 15 seconds left in the day. That's what it was talking about. The very last, the very end of something. Not the whole last day. It said, and well, we can just turn there, hold your spot there, go to... Uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, hallelujah, 1 Timothy 4, and we'll just read it from there. It says, now the Spirit speaketh ex expressly in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Notice it says, they shall depart from the faith, and in other words, they were of the faith of one time. But due to a seducing spirit and doctrines of demons, devils, they, they withdrew from faith. They, they drew back to what? To not practicing their faith, to not doing what the Bible says to do. And they were seduced to do it. Now these seducing spirits, how they operate, is they're very subtle in their operation. Um, We've seen them in operation in churches for a long time, and we, as pastors and ministers, we've tried to deal with that situation. But see, the, the only way out of, of uh, being seduced and this demonic warfare is submission. Is submission to the Word of God. Um, you, you can't get out by just having that devil cast. You, you've got to submit to the Word of God. You have to submit. So what, the, what these demonic spirits do is they come to people and, they, and they'll, 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 they'll whisper things to them like, well, the pastor's picking on you. He doesn't understand you. And what that causes the person to think is every message the pastor is preaching, it, 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 it speaks of their sin in their life. And we'll talk more about, more about that here in just a minute. And they get offended. What is that? That's a seducing spirit. And if they follow it, that seducing spirit will take them away from the faith. 
And the sad part about it is that person thinks they still are in the faith. They are deceived. When they ask Jesus what it would be like in the last days, his first response was, be not deceived. Now, the Son of God, when he says something, when he's asked a question, you would think the first answer is going to be very, very relevant for the last days. It is. Deception is, is rampant today in the world. It's rampant what we're seeing in the news. All right, but believe this, it, it is the last of the days. What we're seeing is biblical proportion happening. People are being shaken. We receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. When you're in the, the house of God, practicing the word of God, doing what the word of God says, you're not going to be shaken. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, and we'll learn a little bit about this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, it says this, Having therefore these promises. What promises? The word of God. These promises. We have God's word. That is his promises to you and me to take those promises and stand on those promises. Having these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now look at that phrase there, perfecting holiness. That's what I want to talk about today. That's what the title of this message is, Perfecting Holiness. How do you perfect holiness? And that doesn't mean what you think it means as far as being perfect, never missing it. It means maturing. That word perfecting really speaks of maturing your holiness. In uh, 1 John, it speaks of as Jesus is in the world, so are we. I want you to think about that scripture for a minute. As Jesus is in the world, so are we. Now ask yourself this question. Do you feel you're walking in this earth like Jesus walks? If you're truthful, you'll say, no. Okay? Not, not putting condemnation. Revelation here. That's what Paul's talking about here. Perfecting holiness. The reason why you don't feel that way is because, well, like most believers, we've just set that aside. We're not concerned about that. That's dangerous, number one. It's extremely dangerous. You and I are called to be holy because he is holy, right? Now, I realize there's things in our lives that we make mistakes and do, we, we don't do them on purpose. It just Something happens and... And boom, we, 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 we've done something we shouldn't have done. Okay, that, We're not talking about that. I'm talking about things in, in your life, and that's what it says here. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Notice what it says. It doesn't say the Father will do it. It says let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Anything that's filthy, vulgar, um, evil, heresy, sin, filth, error, anything, disbelieving, 
we need to we need to get it out of our lives. It's things of the spirit too. There's things in the spirit that are going on, and people are thinking wrong according to the Bible. And uh, I just give you an example. If you, as a Christian, you think that it's okay for a woman and or even a man to consent to an abortion, and you call yourself a Christian. That's not the right spirit. You have a wrong spirit about you. And that's what Paul is talking about. I'm just using that as an example. That's not the only way. It's just so you get an idea what he's talking about. Cleanse us from all things uh, of the spirit too because you're, you're spiritually thinking you're not right. You've got to make a change. You've got to cleanse yourself from this. And it's an ongoing thing that you'll do the rest of your life. It's not you just do it one time. You know, I'm reminded of the story back in the old the Old Testament of King Saul. You know, that was kind of, and we're not going to go there, I'm just going to paraphrase, but King Saul was a, an individual that came about because at the time, if you read that story, the Israelites didn't have a king. They wanted a king. They kept calling out, give us a king. We want a king. Well, see, what they didn't know is God was their king. The father was their king. And uh, he said, okay, I'm going to give you a king. All right. <laughs> but it ain't going to be what you think it is. All right. So he raises up King Saul. Now, King Saul, in the beginning, loved the Lord. He had a passion for God. But what happened is as, as, he, as he grew, he grew away from God. And... There comes a time where the prophet of God, and, and God spoke to the king, Saul, and told him to go in and uh, kill all the Amalekites. Not only kill all the Amalekites, the women, children, kill their animals, kill, destroy their home, destroy everything. And King Saul goes in and has his men go in, and the killing, but King Saul brings back the king of the Amalekites. And he brings back the best of the animals. And later on, what happens is the prophet Samuel comes up to him one day and says, didn't God tell you to kill all the Amalekites because of the evil that they were practicing? They were worshiping other gods? Didn't he tell you that? Well, yeah, I, I did as the Lord said. He said, then tell me, uh, King Saul, what is that noise from animals I hear? He said, oh, that's just, uh, we, we, we brought some of Malachi's best sheep, their best oxen. We want to kill them. I mean, they're good. What did God say? Well, he told us to kill them. And then he, he discovers that King Saul has the king of, of the Amalekites. He said, and you have the king? Of the Amalekites? Yeah. I brought him because he's the king. Didn't, what did God tell you to do? He told, you, he told me to kill him. He said, God has regretted the day he made you king. For obedience is greater than sacrifice. And you were looking at the sacrifice. He said, bring me that king. And so 
Saul's men go and bring the king of the Amalekites. And the prophet of God pulls his sword and he cuts his head off. Now, later on, and God starts raising up King David. And David and, and Saul uh, don't, well, Saul doesn't like David. Dave, David honors Saul because of his position. And then Saul's involved in a battle one day. And he's surrounded. And his troop, is, his men are losing, and, he, and he's wounded. And he looks at his, his armor bearer, and he says, kill me, because if they capture me, they'll torture me. And they'll hang me. He said, Lord, I can't do that. I can't touch God's anointed, and you are God's anointed. He looks over at his other servant, and he says, I'm paraphrasing the story. He says, kill me so that they won't torture me. And he says, I'll do that. And he, and he takes his sword out and he kills him. Well, the servant goes later on, as the story goes, he goes to King David. And he says, Saul is dead. And, he, and David says to him, how do you know? He said, I was there. He said, who are you? He said, I'm an Amalekite. The very thing God told him to kill and destroy rose up again and ended his life prematurely because he didn't obey God. What this is, is, is a, an example. See, the, the reason why we have the Old Testament is it's an example for us of what happened. There's a Malachite I have in our lives, and God's telling us to cleanse yourself from them, destroy them, get rid of them. Because if they remain one day, they will rise up and kill you and take you out of the, the battle before your time. Even so much convincing you that this is the day for you to die like it did Saul. How does that happen? You harden your heart to the things of God. You... you you have your skin, you have your your spiritual heart seared to the things of God. That you don't sense the presence of God anymore. And as I alluded to earlier, it starts off. Well, every time I go to church, the pastor speaks of the sin in my life. I feel I feel like I'm I, I'm condemned. Well, really, do you have sin in your life? Well, yeah. Then you should feel condemned. Get the sin out of your life, and you won't have condemnation. <laughs> it's, it's kind of that simple. That's what, that's what true shepherds do. But see, the problem is a lot of the people, they, they don't go back to this word, they don't go back to the good book, the Bible, and... And look at it and see what it says about living this life and obedience to the things of God. We wonder why. Why is the world in such a troubled mess? Because God's word's coming to pass. Jesus is coming back. And the thing we're going to see is a lot of what you'll see is you'll see the people that aren't even saved come back to the Lord before you see the others that were saved that have backslid come back. 
Now, some of them will, but I'll, we'll see that in Scripture here in just a minute. You know, I said this here, here a couple of weeks ago. When you came to this church, I'd say a church. I said, when you came to this church, you are in the fight for your life. Because the devil's going to fight you tooth and nail to get you out of this house so that you don't hear the word of God. He wants you sitting in the church where everything's nice. Everybody loves me. I don't feel threatened. I don't feel challenged. And they don't talk about my S word. Because I'm comfortable there. That's why people flock to the large churches. Because they can sit in the very back. And the pastor doesn't know them. So if the pastor doesn't even know you, you have that feeling that he'll never say anything about you. Never he'll never say a word that convicts you of your sin. Growth is huh? Growth is yeah, growth is uncomfortable for them. But here's the other side of the coin. Say you come in one day and you've been given a bad report. The doctor says, you got this and there's nothing we can do. That same shepherd, he ain't going to know you. That same shepherd is not going to know by the witness of the Spirit of God that brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so back there has got an issue that needs to be dealt with and we need to pray. We need to take authority over it. We need to teach them how to cleanse themselves with the Word of God. They're not going to know that. Hey, I'm preaching a whole lot better than you're saying amen. <laughs> So that's, just, that's what's happening. And people have, you have Amalekites that you have to, to rid yourself from. Get it out of your life. Now, there's one thing when you're struggling with, I understand people struggling with sin. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that they have sin in their life and they've just grown accustomed to it and say, well, that's just, that's just me. No, it ain't you. It's not of you. God didn't make you that way. And I'll go ahead and say, say you know, homosexuality. God did not make you a boy and put you in a, a girl's body. What did that? There's sin in the world. There's sin in the world. So when babies are born and there's something wrong with them, God didn't make them that way. It's the sin that's in the world that, that caused that event to happen. I'm not saying the family sin. I didn't say that. I said there's sin in this. We live in a fallen world. This world is fallen. At least the air freshener says amen. <laughs> so when things like that happen, it's not that God created them that way. But there's sin in the world. Let's go to um, Luke chapter 14. And let's look at uh, Jesus, what Jesus has to say here. Something very interesting here. You know, in Philippians it says to work out your own salvation. What does that mean? I thought once you're saved, it's fine and dandy. No, no. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. In other words, find out what the Word of God says about your walk and, and, and work it. Work it. Work it. 
Now, Brother Travis here, he works out, and he probably has some weights in his house. And he's probably got a gym that he goes to. But you know what? When he goes to that gym, he just doesn't sit there and say, wow, that's a neat weight machine. Man, look at all that weight. Whew, boy, that would that'll really help me. Well, it's time for me to go eat. Let's go. <coughs> and, and, and Sister Crystal doesn't say, hey, what are you going to do with these weights? You're going to pile it over here in the corner and they got cobwebs. Well, I use those things. I use them. Well, when are you going to use them? They've got cobwebs on there for years. Hey, 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 no, just leave them alone. Leave them alone. I'm going to use them. He's not working out. He's not working out. But see, in that aspect, so is our salvation. You've got to work it out. You've got to keep up with it. You've got working with the Lord and talking to the Lord. See, a lot of people's idea of hearing from heaven is you telling God what you need. Let me, let me share something with you. If you have a relationship with the Father, you're going to hear no a lot. You're going to hear no, because he's going to tell you, no, don't do that. No, don't say that. No, don't touch that. No, don't speak that. No, don't go there. That's what a relationship with the Father is. Once you learn that, go through that process, and he's speaking to you, and he's telling you these things, and you start to get a revelation, you, you're, now, you're now to the point where you listen, and he can talk to you. But so many times, the only thing we want to hear from heaven is, how can he help us right now in this situation? And what does he usually do? He starts talking to you about something that, in your mind, has nothing to do with your situation. Or does it? It does. See, he's trying to fix the situation, but see, you're looking at the wrong thing. I like a conversation that went uh, Richard Roberts and his dad, Oral Roberts. Now, if you know Richard Roberts now, you know he's a man of God and, and he loves the Lord and everything, but he, didn't know, he wasn't always that way. When he was young, he was in drugs and partying and all that. And he come home one night and uh, him and his dad got into it. And Richard looked at his, his father, Oral, and he said to his father, he said, Dad, just get the hell out of my life. And Oral looked at him, and he said, Son, that's what exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get the hell out of your life. Yeah. See, and that's what, as a, as a, as a Bible believer, that's where you've got to stand. You've got to get the hell out of your life so that you can get the hell out of other people's lives. You ain't going to get the hell out of other people's lives when you got hell in your life. I like something R.W. Schombach said, and he talked about talking about church attendance. You know, I've said this before, the fastest growing church in the United States is the, uh, the unchurched. And we'll look at a scripture here in Luke 14 in just a second. R.W. Schombach said this, he said, your name won't be here, won't be heard up yonder unless it's heard right here in the church, the house of God. You won't get the call up yonder unless you, get, you receive the call here on earth. In other words, to come to the house of God. You know, because we keep saying, when we all get up yonder, right, what a joy and day will be, right? But see, you're not, not going to be on the roll call up there if you're not on the roll call here. Let's look here at Luke 14. You there? 
See, you know, a, a, a real preacher, when they preach, they should prick your heart. If there's any sin in your life, it, it should prick your heart. Because if it doesn't, you, you've built up a callousness to that. And that's what Paul warned against. You know, I've got this little spot on my arm where they removed cancer. Okay? And they took skin from my thigh and put it here. Well, that's got a, that's got a, like a callous feel to it. I don't, I can get right here and, and I can be mi micrometers from it. I don't feel it. But I come over here or I, I come up here further where there's hair and I can get a little closer. And once I hit that hair, my, my, hand, my arm feels it. See, you can develop your, your spiritual life just like this, that you don't feel anything anymore. You, you develop a callousness to it. It just it has no feeling to it. And so that's what happens when people, when the Spirit of God is dealing with them in the house of God, a lot of times what will happen is they get offended. Because they say, well, the preacher's talking about, he's always putting me down. They don't do that. They're, they're preaching the word. The reason why you're feeling put down is because is there sin in your life? If there's no sin in your life, you're not feeling down. They're, they're not talking about you, right? If there's no sin in your life, then that, that word that you hear, you're, you're amen, and you're like, amen, amen. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Preach on. Preach on. But if there is, what is that? That's the Spirit of God saying, this needs to go. It's time. Kill that Amalekite. Put it to death. Let's look here. Luke 14, you there yet? I know I said that a while ago. Let's pick it up in verse 15. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall he eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, speaking of Jesus, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent, in other words, they all together began to make an excuse. The verse said unto him, I have, I, I bought a piece of ground and I must needs go to see it. I pray thee, have me excused. I've got to go work on my, my property. I've got work there to do. Verse 19, and another said, I have bought, bought five yoking of oxen. Today's terms, I've got a bunch of new tractors. I need to get out in the fields and plow my fields and, and do some things. And I, and I, I'm, I'm going to go, he says, I prove them. I pray you have me excused. I, you know, I can't be there right now. I've, I've got to get out in these fields and do my, the, the work that I, that I do. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And in other words, hey, you know, we're newlyweds. We're getting to know each other. We're spending time together. What's he talking about here? He's talking about sex. And they said, we, we can't come because we're newlyweds. You know, church, we have church here. 
one day a week at, at 1030. You can have sex Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can even have sex Sunday afternoon. But when the house of God's doors are open, you're expected to come in. All right? So it says another, verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry, notice here, the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go and quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and maimed and the halt and the blind. Notice the master of the, of the house, it says he's angry. God doesn't like empty seats in his house. Now it's one thing if you're building the church and we're growing and we're adding seats, expecting people, but when people are supposed to be here and are not, notice the attitude of the Lord. It says he's angry. And he says, go quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. Go get the sick people. Surely they'll come in. Verse 22. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is more room. And the Lord said unto him, Go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. So notice it starts out, go out and ask them. All right? Notice how many people you ask to come to church? They don't come. All right? You go to the sick people, you ask them to come. Hey, come to, come to the house of God. We believe in prayer and we see people healed. Matter of fact, you know, and, and here you sit, the Lord healed my pastor of, of cancer, of, of terminal cancer. They come? No. Now he says, go out and, and compel them. In other words, convince them. This are the days that we live in. These are the times that we live in. You have to go, you have to, go to people and convince them, compel them to come into the house, my house, that it may be filled. Look here, verse 24. For I say unto you that none of those men, this is Jesus speaking, which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Notice, first of all, it was come to the meal, right? It started out, he sent them and he said, come to a great supper. Now it's his house. That none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper, shall taste of my meal. Now I'll let you interpret that. What do you think he's talking about there? Nobody, nobody that was bid, that was asked to come, none of those will taste of my supper. What supper is he talking about? Could it be the supper in heaven? Let's look at another one here. See, these aren't popular sermons. These are not the type of sermons that get people, ex you know, uh, well, let's go, let's go get you know, the neighbors. No, no, no. See, it should convince you that, yes, you need to go get the neighbors. They need to get right with God. They've been taught by false preachers, doctrines of devil, that it's okay, God's in control. As long as you love God. I'm sorry, but Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments, obey my word. That's his commandments, is his word. That is his commandments. Let's look at another one here. 
Go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13. Verse 24, another parable put he forth into them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So notice the tares appear at the same time. How many of you know the tares are not a good thing? Not desired. It says, then appear the tares also with the fruit. They, they appear together. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst thou not sow good seed in your field? From whence then hast the tares? Now this is Jesus speaking. Have you got a red letter Bible? These are all red letters. How many of you know red letters trump black letters? All right? They trump the black letters. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then from where has it these tares? Where did they come from? He said unto them, An enemy has done this. The servants said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? No, he said in verse 29, lest while you gather up the tares, you root up them also, the wheat with them. Now notice he's talking about something natural here. He's talking about the servant wants to go out into the field and gather them up in the field right where they're at. And, and Jesus says, no, otherwise you'll mess up the wheat too. Okay. Verse 30, let both grow together until the harvest. How many of you believe we're in the harvest time? We're in that time now. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, who are the reapers? They're the angels. It's a spiritual, this is a spiritual thing now. We've, we've moved from a natural event of going out into the field and tearing up the tares to a spiritual event here. So it's not, you're not going to see it in the same way. I will say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into my barn. So what does he do with the tares? He gathers them together and then bundles them together. How does he gather them together? He moves them out of his house. They become the unchurched, the largest growing church in the United States today, America. He's gathering them into a bundle to be burned in the fire because they're not in his house. The wheat will take them and bring them into my barn. In other words, into my house.
still think church attendance is optional today? No, it's not. We just read how the master of the house got angry because his house was empty. Because the people that should have been there weren't there. That's what it does to the Lord. You misinsure. And I'm not talking about you got called in to work that day. I'm, I'm not talking about people like that. He's not talking. He's talking about people that, well, we don't come because the pastor says things that make us mad. I had a lady years ago, and I wasn't even really, I wasn't in the ministry for sure, but I worked with this lady, and she was at a, she was going to a, a minister's church that I also would occasionally go to, and he taught the word about faith. And I said, wow, you, you go over there? She said, yeah, yeah, I go, been going there for a few years. And then one day I was talking with her, and she said, well, I quit going. I said, well, why did you quit going there? She said, well, I'll be honest with you. Every time I, I went, it felt like Pastor so-and-so. It doesn't matter. I mean, I could say his name. He's in heaven now. She said, I felt like Pastor so-and-so was speaking to me directly, and he was picking on me. Well, why, why, in, in the conversation, I found out she divorced her husband. Yeah, so she stepped away from her marriage. So obviously, whenever he talked about sin, she felt it, it pricked her heart. And it made her mad. what it did, she, she kept listening to that demonic spirit, that doctrines of devils, seducing spirit, and said, you need to leave that church. They don't like you. No, they love you. You know, a true shepherd, if he finds out or she finds out there's a situation in church, they're going to be prayerfully about it. I pray more for the people that aren't here than the ones sometimes that are here. Why? Because the ones that aren't here are deceived already and they don't even know it. I don't forget about them. I'm still praying for people that were here years ago, believing God to bring them back. That their eyes and their hearts would be open to the word of God and see the error of their ways. Why? Because of what I just read. I don't want them gathered into a bundle outside of the house of God to be thrown in the fire and burned. What's the fuck? It's, it's hell. I mean, Jesus' own words. But we, we live in a, <clears throat> a generation that churches... I'm talking Christian churches tell you that it's okay sin. God doesn't care. He loves you anyway. I'm sure I can take you to scriptures that, that, that would make you angry if, if, if that's what you believe, that God only hears the prayers of the righteous. Well, what about the unrighteous? He doesn't hear their prayers. The only prayer he will hear from an unrighteous person is, Lord, save me. Why? Because they're calling covenant. They're calling for covenant. And the covenant has already been given. <clears throat> There's so many signs of the covenant in our midst and we ignore them. <clears throat> you know, when a covenant was, 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 bro was cut, was cut in the old days, men would, would cut their wrists and have blood come out, and the other one would cut their wrist, and they would mingle the blood, and it would create a scar. And then they'd make confessions one to another.
that if you ever need anything, my people will take care of you. And usually it was, it was, it was, it, it benefited both parties. Maybe one party was strong in farming and the other one was strong in, in military. Well, those two would get together because the military needs food. The farming needs protection. So they, they break a covenant and they'd mingle blood. And when they did that, it caused a scar. So what would happen is later on, years go by, and every person in that tribe would have the scar. So when they, when they approached each other and they hadn't seen each other for years, they'd lift their hand up and they'd show their scar as a sign of covenant. Well, you know, Jesus took his stripes. Nails were put in his wrist, not in his palms. Why? Because there's a tendon here in each arm that what the Romans knew that when the tendon was, was pierced, it separated and caused, caused their victims to not use their arms to pull themselves up anymore. They had to lift themselves with their legs and their back, which wore them out. But you're ever in a service when believers, we, we lift up our hands to heaven and we start worshiping the Lord. Right? Why does that happen? I believe what happens is Jesus gets up off the throne and comes to the edge of heaven and he lifts his hands and he shows his scars. And we as believers, we lift up our hands. We're in covenant with you. We're in covenant. We're in covenant. We're in covenant because his stripes were healed. That's the power of the covenant that you and I have. That's the power of this word. That's, that's why when you come into the house of God, Satan will fight you tooth and nail to get you out. All you've got to find out is, what does Jesus love the most? He, he died for the church. What does Satan hate the most? The church. Satan will fight you tooth and nail to get you out of here. He'll fight you tooth and nail to get you out. And in these last days, we're seeing people depart from the faith. It's not just happening here. It's happening in a lot of churches. People are leaving church. Well, we can have church at home, not according to the Bible. Who's your shepherd? God has put a shepherd over you to feed you his word. When you come in here, there's something deposited in you. There's a spiritual gift, a spiritual impartation that's put in you to strengthen you. So that what? So when you go out and you face this week ahead, you have something in you to get you through the week. That's why we, we, we need to get back to having uh, oh, midweek services so that you can get to the midweek service so that you can get recharged again so you can get to the weekend. And that process keeps repeating and repeating over why. Not for the house of, not for the building. It's so that you can get stronger and you can, you can cleanse yourself from all that filth so that you walk as Jesus walks in the earth. Because 
as he is in this world, so are we. And you know that as Jesus is in this world, so are you because what? You've, you've went through that process of cleansing yourself. You've submitted yourself to the house of God, to the shepherd of God. Submission is the only way to come out of, of um, deception. It's the only way to come out. It's like Chloe here. Stand up, Chloe, would you? Now, she's not, but let's say, she, let's say Chloe here is deceived. She's not, but let's say she is. So she comes to church, and when I say sit down, she stands up. When I say stand up, she sits down. So, she goes home, and her grandfather comes up to her and says, Chloe, you know, I noticed that at church, when the pastor tells you to sit down, you stand up. And when he tells you to stand up, you sit down. And she says, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing wrong with me. Why are you picking on me? Well, she comes to church, and then her father sees it too. And he, her father pulls her aside and says, I'm going to talk to you something. How come when, when the pastor at church tells you to stand up, you sit down? When he tells you to sit down, you stand up. You've been talking to Grandpa, she says. You don't like me, do you? What, what, is it, what did I do to you? How did I make you mad? So then one day, the shepherd comes up to her and says, Chloe, you know, I, I noticed something about you. Every time I tell you to stand up, you sit down. Every time you sit down, I tell you to sit down, you stand up. Now, it's going to go one of two ways. She's going to say, either... You've been talking to my dad and my grandfather. What do you all got against me? Or she's going to say, you know, I don't understand what's going on, but I'm willing to listen to you. Will you show me again? Sure, hon. Go ahead and sit down. Go ahead and sit down. And she goes ahead and sits down. Now she said, now I don't understand what's going on here, but I'll do what you say because you're my shepherd, and I know that you wouldn't tell me anything bad. I'll go ahead and do it. You know what about her? About her? She's going to be okay. She's going to be all right. But if she stands up and she says, there ain't nothing wrong with me. You all are picking on me. You don't understand me. She's deceived. She's been seduced by a, a demonic spirit that everybody is picking on her and she'll walk right out of the house of God. Not even realizing what the Word of God says about being gathered together in a bundle and being burned with a fire. Why? Donna knows in her generation, in my generation before, Ron too, you didn't miss coming to the house of God. You didn't miss coming to church. That just didn't happen. But we live in a time where we want to look and say, what is all this about? It's about this right here, the book, the Bible. It's about God's word being played out right before your eyes. It's time to repent. It's time to start living this book. Letting this book be your guide. Letting the Spirit of God speak to you, witness to you, admonish you, correct you, so that what? You won't be shaken. Because everybody else is being shaken right now. They don't know what's going on. They know it's biblical. 
but they don't understand what's going on. We, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Not worried. I'm not. We say, well, pastor, what happens, what happens if terrorists come in here and shoot and kill you? I go to heaven. How do I lose? It's, my Bible says, let me go there, Lord, help me. Let me get me there. Revelation 12, 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. The problem with a lot of people is, is they love their life. When you got born again, your life is no longer yours. It's his. Because he paid for it. He bought you. With a price. So we live our lives not, not for ourselves, but for him. I mean, Jesus said he could do nothing unless he saw the Father or he heard the Father. Here's the Son of God saying, I can't do anything unless I hear from heaven. You think all these miracles that he went and, 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 and had happened in, in his ministry happened because it was his will? No. He just told us. He did them because he saw the Father do them. The, par the parables that we just re re read, do you think he said them because he came up with that on his own? No, the Father told him. This is how heaven operates. Now, son, and he said, now, son, when you tell them that, there's going to be some that like you, there's going to be some that hate you. They're not going to like what you have to say. Let's put it in today's vernacular. God loves everybody. Yes, God does love everybody. We're all his children. Oh, no, 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 no. Let's stop right there because we're not all his children. You mean to tell me all mankind is not God's children? No, mankind was made in his image, but they're not his children. Because Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that tried to, to um, uh, persecute him, he said, you are of your father, the devil. He didn't say, he, he, he didn't say it to get back at them. He, he spoke the truth. You are of your father, the devil. So see, when you're not born again, your father is Satan. When you get born again, the Father is your, your Heavenly Father is your Father. And the Christians, the people, the, the believers that are born again, we are all children of God. But He doesn't want you to stay a child. He wants you to be a son and daughter, grow up. That's what we're talking about. Perfecting holiness. Perfect, all what this is about is perfecting holiness. In other words, maturing it, growing up. Look at your neighbor and tell them, time to grow up. It's time to grow up. It's time for all of us to grow up. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something today? Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Travis, come on out here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.